I'm a happy camper, I love the summer sun, I love sleepaway camp too, it's a fuck ton load of fun. Good evening campers and welcome to Slasher Street Podcast. My name is Ryan Devlin and thank you so much for joining me once again. This is a horror movie podcast where each episode I will be reviewing and discussing in detail a different horror movie from our epic collection here at the house. I hope you're all having an awesome week, and thank you so much for tuning in. Now, if you didn't already know, if you couldn't already tell from that opening, this week on the show, I'm super excited to talk about it. We're going to be talking about one of the most fun slasher movies ever created. It's one of my all-time favourites. It's campy. It's cheesy, it's got great kills, it's a fun, non-stop rollercoaster ride of a movie, it's Chris Jericho's favourite slasher movie, Y2J, wrestling legend Chris Jericho's favourite slasher movie, and in my opinion, one of the best slasher movies ever made. This movie was meta before meta was even a thing, before Scream, before any of that stuff, Sleepaway Camp 2 was the most self-referential film out there to that date, as far as I was aware anyway. It was meta before meta was cool, and I am obviously talking about 1988's classic Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. I'm so excited to talk about this movie this week. We're just going to get right into it. There's going to be absolutely no housekeeping this week. I was thinking, do we talk about what I've been watching this week? But I thought, no. I just want to get right into this. Sleepaway Camp 2, it's just such an awesome film, in my opinion. I absolutely love it. So I cannot wait to talk about it to all you guys right now. Now, we don't usually cover the same franchise twice in a row. Um, We've only done it once, and that was months and months and months ago when we did Evil Dead 2, and then we did Army of Darkness the week after. And I kind of did that because even though it's the same franchise and it's a direct sequel, I suppose, um, to it it doesn't really feel like... Like, Army of Darkness does not feel like an Evil Dead movie at all, especially compared to the original original two. And that kind of brings me into this one because Sleepaway Camp 2 definitely doesn't feel much of a sequel to the original Sleepaway Camp. So I just thought it was kind of a good time to throw this in, and I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. In fact, I was really wanting to do this movie before I did Sleepaway Camp, but Sleepaway Camp was so highly requested. Like, literally literally nobody has requested this movie. It's just one of my personal favourites. And because we did Sleepaway Camp last week, which was one of the most requested movies we've ever had, I just thought, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. Sleepaway Camp 2 this week, we've just got to. Um, and like I say, although this movie is super cheese um, to the to the maximum, super cheese, there isn't actually a lot that uh, I don't like about this movie. I absolutely adore this movie. Um, the cast, the kills, the music, everything, the soundtrack, everything. I love everything about it. Now, um... One thing I did want to just bring up real quickly was the acting in this movie. Now, last week when we talked about the original Sleepaway Camp, I was obviously talking about how hammy the acting was, how cheesy the acting was, um, and how bad the acting was in the original Sleepaway Camp. You, I, I honestly don't feel like the acting in this movie is bad at all. I think it's super cheesy, super over the top, of course, but it's so doing it on purpose. Whereas... The original Sleepaway Camp, and that's why I like this movie a lot more, because it doesn't take itself seriously at all, because where the original Sleepaway Camp was, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, there's some goofy moments in it, but it is, for the most part, a serious slasher movie. It's not meant to be funny, it's taken itself very seriously, whereas this one, they kind of took the concept of Sleepaway Camp and completely turned it into this wacky, crazy, hilarious black comedy, uh, and that just works so much better, and even, and that, that makes the acting so much better, in my opinion, because they're not trying to take these roles seriously, especially, as say, Pamela Springsteen as Angela, they aren't taking these roles seriously. They are completely over the top. Loads of great catchphrases. 
And that, for me, makes the acting in this movie feel a lot more smoother, a lot easier to watch than the original one, where you're like, are they taking this seriously? The acting's terrible, but they're acting serious. And that's that's one of the original's downfalls, in my opinion. But one of this movie's best features is how over-the-top everything is and how cartoony the whole feel of this movie is, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely love it. Now, before we get into any of the movie as well, I just want to say, let's talk a bit about the artwork of this movie because this is one of the most recognisable artworks in horror. And it's whether it's the original cover... Um, which obviously doesn't have Pamela Springsteen on the cover, but it has the girl and she's got the backpack on on the original VHS cover and she's got the Jason mask. Well, you know, the really low-budget Jason mask. Kind of the Jason mask that you see in uh, Bride of Chucky at the start. <laughs> like, really piss-poor Jason mask. Uh, she's got, like, the Freddy glove. She's got the chainsaw. Uh, and you're like, it's a really, really iconic VHS cover. And even, I, I shared on the Facebook page the other day, the Blu-ray, the recently... Well, I'll say recent. It was probably like five years ago, whatever, the Blu-ray was released. Maybe slightly less. Um, and it's like the cartoon version, which is a cartoon of Pamela Springsteen's uh, Angela on the front. It's kind of like she's got the chainsaw, she's got the Freddy glove, she's got the Jason mask. It's kind of like an updated, cartoony version of that. The artwork for this movie is incredible it just works so perfectly um as it's as it's so meta because it 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 acknowledges all of these previous horror movies so we it's if this is in the real world because things like freddy krueger things like leatherface things like jason who obviously were big characters at this point this movie came out in 1988 so these these characters were huge in pop culture in the late 80s uh, and it's so it just references them, you know. We are aware of them, and we're going to put them in this movie. It's just such fantastic artwork, in my opinion. Now, let's talk a little bit as well about Angela in this movie. Pamela Pamela Springsteen takes over the role from Felicia Rose in this movie, and it's set five years after the first movie. So again, it's not unrealistic that Angela could completely change her look drastically, you know. She's changed her hair, it's like curly, and so, uh, you know, it's obviously a different person playing the role, but the whole thing for me, I do believe, and I kind of touched on it a little bit last week, that the way Pamela Springsteen plays Angela in this movie is a completely different character to what Felicia Rose does in the original, and also a completely different character to what Felicia Rose picks up in Return to Sleepaway Camp. So for me, I always feel like parts two and three I like setting their own alternative timeline where we know the events of the first movie happened because they're acknowledged in this movie, but it I always think maybe they happened in a slightly different way because Angela in this movie, the way they portray it, she's much more comical, she's much more loud, she's much more boisterous, much more wacky, uh, and the, such a different personality altogether in this movie. Now, we could say... We could say that, you know, she's been in a psychiatric ward for five years. She's had shock therapy and all this kind of stuff. She's had all the medications. So maybe over that five years, with all of that treatment, she would come a little bit more out of the shell uh, and then return as what we see in this movie as Pamela Springsteen. But yeah, I do believe that it is, just for me, a totally different alternative universe timeline because, again, Return to Sleepaway Camp, which has Felicia Rose in, ignores this movie and ignores part two completely. It just picks up, part one happened, and then what, like 20 years later, Return to Sleepaway Camp happened. Like, nothing happens in the middle. So, you know, I feel like you've got part two and three, which are like their own separate spin-off, which in my opinion are the best ones, uh, and then Felicia Rose comes back and does like a direct sequel. And it's funny because they were doing direct sequels to originals. I mean, the movie's shit. Don't get me wrong, Return to Sleepaway Camp is fucking awful, which I talked about last week. But they were doing direct sequels to an original, ignoring others before that was cool, before Halloween did it. I think maybe before even Texas Chainsaw did it. So they were doing this before it was cool, before it was popular. They they started the trend. They started the trend badly, but they started the trend nonetheless. Um, and yeah, as I say, I, always just pref- I actually prefer Pamela Springsteen's portrayal of uh, Angela more than Felicia Rose. Don't get me wrong, Felicia Rose is great. For the character that she portrays in the serious version of Sleepaway Camp, Felicia Rose does a fantastic... Um, 
you know, a fantastic betrayal of Angela and really is the most iconic version of the character. Let's just not forget that right now. The Felicia Rose version of Angela Baker is the iconic version. It's the one that most people who don't know anything about the Sleepaway Camp franchise know. Um, They know the face, they know the ending, they know, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Felicia Rose, do not take anything away from that. She is the iconic Angela Baker. But for me, I just personally prefer Pamela Springsteen's version. I just love everything she does in this movie i love everything she does in part three Uh, i just think it's phenomenal and it took a lot of guts to completely change the character but it had to change it had to change to make this movie because i actually think as well i mean we're probably going to do it in the trivia i'm sure i copied it that felicia rose was thinking about coming back for this movie but because of the tone of the movie it just wouldn't have worked and i totally agree with that i totally agree because she wouldn't have fit in this movie. I mean, Pamela Springsteen was probably in her late 20s, early 30s maybe when... Could have got that completely wrong. I'll have to check her age. But she does look older than what Felicia Rose would be. So she might be in her mid to late 20s. So she would have probably had a bit more confidence as a as an actress, as a person to pull off this crazy role as maybe what Felicia Rose would have done. Who really, at that point in time, hadn't done anything apart from sleepaway camp, you know, she was going off to school and stuff like that. So I totally, totally see why they made the change. And it's a change for the better because of the tone of this overall movie. It's absolutely hilarious. Now, um, I say the one line, (laughs) the meta references, the whole thing just works so perfectly. Absolutely love it. Now, um, let's get on to a little bit of info about the movie itself. Uh, The movie was released on the 26th of August, 1988. So that's four years and three days before I was born. So pointless fact there, but it's true. With a budget of 486 thousand dollars so that's actually not too bad when you think the original was made for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars and this one arguably has bigger like people in it like it has a bigger cast definitely i think um it has bigger names in it as well so to have and it has better effects than the first one so considering they only spent one hundred and thirty six thousand dollars more that's pretty good going there's a lot more kills in this movie than there is in the original as well now Although that is more than what the um, original movie cost to make, uh, I couldn't find anywhere any information on how much this grossed in theatres. I think it just said it had a limited release um, and then it was released on VHS. So I would imagine that over the years, although they didn't get the money back straight away, I think they would have had to done really well in limited release to get that money back um, over time with rights and blu-rays and merchandise vhs's all that kind of stuff they would have easily got their money back over time but i suppose they had the money to spend because the original movie grossed 11 million so they're still living on like a even even if this movie made no money whatsoever over the two movies they still made 10 million dollars over 10 million dollars so that's pretty good going um you know, even though it probably didn't make as much money. I wonder why that was the case. I wonder why this didn't get a release in cinemas. I don't, because the first one was hugely, like, a huge success. It was popular. Um, it grossed a shitload of money. So why was this one not in the cinemas? Why did it not get a nationwide release? I don't know. I mean, it, it was five years. So maybe the buzz had died down of Sleepaway Camp. I don't know. But I'm just strange that... This one didn't get uh, a big release, but obviously it's became a cult classic since then. So, uh, you know, I think this one actually has more of a cult classic following than the original one, purely because of how wacky this whole movie is. That's going to be the the word of this podcast, I think, is wacky, because everything about this movie is crazy, it's wacky, it's over the top, it's fucking awesome. Um, The movie was directed by Michael A. Simpson, who also directed Sleepaway Camp 2 the following year. Um, And really, when I looked at his IMDb, couldn't really see anything else of note apart from those two movies. So, in terms of leaving a legacy in horror... There's definitely worse movies to put your name against, you know. Two, in my opinion, two of the most fun slasher movies ever made. There's worse movies that you could have created in the 80s of the slasher genre, 100%. So, yeah, so... I think he did, like, TV stuff. Quite a bit of TV stuff, quite a bit of producing, but... Yeah. Um... 
not uh, nothing compared to nothing compared to these anyway or anything after that. Uh, the movie stars Pamela Springsteen as Angela Johnson slash Baker. So <laughs> we're gonna get into it. We'll talk. I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much about what happens in the movie right now. But Rene Estevez is in this movie as well. Um, from Intruder as Molly, and she's got um, is it Emilio Estevez? Is that her brother? Is Char- does Charlie Sheen have something to do with her as well? I don't know, but maybe not. But so she's like a famous sibling as well from a famous-ish family. Um, so that's kind of cool that you've got like these two people leading in this movie that are kind of not as famous as other people in their families. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and so yeah, Renee Estevez, she plays Molly, who is the final girl in this movie. Uh, we've got, and then just rhyming off some others, we've got some, we've got Tony Higgins as Sean, who plays a teenager in this movie. He plays like a 16 year old and I said this in the first one, and I feel like this is just something that happens in slasher movies, whether it's the budget, whether they just can't get decent kids to act. This is why I like The Burning as well, because The Burning has actual... They look like kids. They look like kids in that movie. Um, Whereas we've got people like Sean. It was the same in the first one, where they're playing like 16-year-olds at camp. They're not playing campers. Sorry, not playing camp counsellors. They're playing actual kids at camp, where the parents have sent them to camp. And he's like 25 to 30. He's got like a big, muscly, hairy chest and everything. Same as the guys in the first film. It's like, come on. Like, got a whole Austin Powers and Will from the Inbetweeners feel. You're like, why can't he just... I mean, don't get me wrong, he's just great. Like, he's, he's fine as the actor, but I just thought... It's just so funny that they get these grown-ass adults in to play kids in these movies. Um, we've got uh, Valerie Hartman, who plays Ali, and believe me, as we're going to get into it, literally every single scene in this movie, that girl has her tits out. Like, the, I think there might only be one scene in the movie that she's in where she doesn't get her boobs out, and that's the one where she dies. <laughs> like, every other scene, she's, like, got her tits out. It's just... In fact, she... Mm, no, no, I think the scene that she dies, she doesn't have them out, but every other scene, <laughs> that girl just, like, had to get them out. Um, I got Brian... Cri- by, br- Brian Patrick Clark as TC, Walter Goggle as Uncle John... Um, who, I mean, I'm not a big James Bond fan, but when I looked at his IMDb, he seemed to have a really big career in James Bond movies of, like, the Roger Moore era. Um, so obviously there's no guy in this, but, you know, he seemed to have quite a lot of, uh, fame through Bond movies, so I think he was in quite a few from the looks of it, actually. Uh, and he was also in Puppet Master 3, which I haven't seen. Uh, I think they kind of go downhill after 2, but <laughs> I'll check them out at some point. But yeah, so that's pretty much sums up the cast. So, let's get into it, everyone. Let's talk about Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. Without any further ado, let's get into the full blow-by-blow, blow because there is so much to talk about with this movie. I absolutely adore this movie. So, if you don't like this movie... Um, you're not going to like this review. If you feel like you've tuned in to hear someone shit all over this movie, you're at the wrong place because this, for me, I can't say anything. Literally, I mean, we might, I might have noted something little down on my way around the film. Tiny, tiny detail that I might not think, mm, okay, but put it into context, this is the most over-the-top movie in the whole franchise, even more than part three, really. Um... Every, I, there's not one thing I don't like about this movie. Uh, there's a little nitpicky things that we'll probably get into, but like overall, there isn't really anything I don't like. So let's get into it. Obviously, from this moment on, spoilers. I don't think we've. Uh, I don't usually give a spoiler warning, but I feel like I should start doing that because you should know by now that all these episodes are just filled to death with spoilers. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Sleepaway Camp Two: Unhappy Campers. So, the movie starts with a good old campfire scary story, um, and it's actually a really cool opener. I really, really enjoy this, because you kind of get the impression that this is just a kind of like a burning moment, almost, where they are completely separate from the movie, and it's just some random camp to kind of kind of get us into the mood of the movie. But no, no, this is the people from the camp, from Camp Rolling Hill. Rolling Hill? Running Hill? I'm not too sure. Um, where Angela 
Johnson works. So yeah, they walk, they're going around the campfire uh, and they're telling the story of Peter Baker, um, the angel of death, which was Angela Baker in the original one, obviously, because they found out that he was a boy called Peter. And it's just really cool that, you know, the um, the whole Camp Arawak and the whole, like, uh, legend of Angela slash Peter, it's kind of turned into this campfire tale over the past five years where, you know, the girl got, a, the Angela got arrested, so they feel like it's fine. And it just feels like every year they probably sit around this campfire and tell this story, very much like the Cropsy story in The Burning. Really, really really good stuff um and they say that there was two stories one of which that angela died and then another one where they where they say that angela was playing the girl from the the brown-haired girl from the facts of life and that's actually funny because i saw in the trivia that she actually did appear in the facts of life after this movie is kind of like a bit of a a tie-in i think something that ties in so that's pretty cool but then another girl says no no she's alive or was it a boy i can't remember one of them says she's alive she was in the psych ward and the doctor gave angela a sex change like whilst whilst the she was in in the psychiatric ward now do would they do that because they angela in this movie for and she says it at the very end as well at one of the final scenes she's like you know i'm completely cured you know i had an operation i you know had all the therapy you know i'm completely cured so she is definitely more she's definitely a woman in this movie angela um but i just thought would it like a psychiatric doctor who especially everything that happened to this girl give her a sex change i mean maybe maybe they would but you know as I, it's a tough subject it's a tough subject because at the as i said last week did she want to be a girl? Did did Pisa want to be Angela? And in the end, did the psychiatric doctor was like... And also, the psychiatric doctor probably wouldn't know how to perform a sex change. <laughs> they were just, I don't know, but it was just like, did they, you know, did they say, oh, well, you've been a girl for the past eight years, uh, let's just turn you into a girl so that they will avoid less confusion. I think chopping off a teenager's willy and turning him into an actual girl after all of the things that he's been through is probably not the safest bet because this only takes place five years after the original. So Angela in this movie is meant to be 18, 19 years old at a push. So to have had a... I mean, that's fine. You know, to be who you want to be, but to have a sex change at that age when you've been through so much trauma... <laughs> I'm thinking too much about it. I'm thinking too much, but you've been through so much shit in your such a small amount of life. Was that a, an idea that would have been signed off? I mean, it's just for the movie, so whatever. Let's just forget about. It. <laughs> it's just like, um, and Sean, he's there, and he said his dad was the cop who arrested her. So was his dad the guy with the mustache in the first film so that's pretty funny that wraps around and i the the guy the cop isn't in this movie but that would have been so damn cool i think is the dad in the next one mm, i feel like he might be he's in is he in this one is it, he's not in this one sorry but is he in the next one it, it's been a little while since i watched sleepaway camp 3 Oh man, I feel like he might have made a return, the guy with the moustache in the next film. I don't know, I haven't seen it in a while. Might watch it tonight, I don't know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I feel like he might be in the next one, the guy with the moustache, with the duct tape moustache, makes his return. Uh, and in the different twist in this movie as well is that obviously in the first movie, Angela was killing off all the kids who was mean to her, whereas she's gotten over that now. She's like, yeah, I, people can be mean to me, that's absolutely fine, but she's killing off people who essentially don't deserve to be at camp because she feels like being at camp is the bee's knees, it's the best thing you know, in the world, and she just wants this wholesome, you know, kind of almost christian retreat style camp that's where she should have gone she should have gone to some sort of christian retreat camp for religious kids because she would have been great there everyone would have been loving life at camp no one would have been misbehaving nobody would have been having sex in the woods so if she went and got a job there 
she would have had a fantastic time. No one would have died. Um, but yeah, she just wants to kill people who do not deserve to be at camp, whether that's campers or camp counsellors. She just doesn't discriminate. Boys, girls, kids, they're all up for it. And it's I, and we'll get into it at the end, but I'll mention it now that pretty much I think every single person in this movie dies apart from Angela. Uh, so literally she kills everybody at camp so nobody deserves to be at camp not one for only her only Angela deserves to be at camp and we get the first kill I think it's was she called Patricia no I can't remember what she was called but uh, yeah begin with a P no Trish Trish I don't know whatever um but anyway Angela she takes the the girl is basically at the boys camp so she's like hey you shouldn't be out here with the boy all she's doing is talking and like literally enjoying the campfire tale like tc doesn't care nobody cares um uh but angela cares she's not happy so she gets the girl and she's like come with me and she's like i'm not going back with you you know you're gonna say i'm gonna have to send you over like, i do it and angela just hits her in the head with a big stick and cuts her tongue out and it's just such a good first kill um she was a bad camper but it was a good kill and it was just one of those where it was just such a basic one just hit literally it's so because you think oh maybe you know they're gonna do it the similar kind of style to the first one where it's almost again a whodunit and angela's there is it angela is it somebody else no literally within five minutes of this movie it's like here's angela whacking someone over the head with a giant stick and cutting her tongue out, and it's like, okay, there's no mystery in this movie, we are definitely is going down this route, and it so works, it so works really well, um, <clears throat> and Angela, she's like, oh yeah, I just sent her home, yeah, where, where is she, oh, I sent her home, it's like, mm, okay, um, it's kind of like the perfect outing, I think I noted that later on as well, when she says, oh yeah, I just send people home, it's kind of like the perfect excuse, because it's like, well, okay, yeah, if she was bad, yeah, you sent her home. It's one of those things. <laughs> the kids in this movie are absolutely hilarious. There's these two kids, and I actually thought they were... Um, it, it wouldn't have worked with the timing, but I could have sworn one of those kids was, like, really quite a famous child actor, but maybe it's not. It just looks like... Not Malcolm in the Middle, obviously, but uh, maybe the brother of Malcolm in the Middle, like the younger brother, but the timings and the dates wouldn't have worked out, but he looks very similar to him. But these kids, my God, these two kids are absolutely hilarious. Like, they're like, they call themselves the spying on the girls and they're like, they're spying on the girls through the window and like, I think it might be Ali, probably is. She's got her tits out, obviously. She's walking around with her boobs out as she always is in this movie. And then and she's like, oh, you know, you should cover up. It's like, who's going to see me? No one's going to see me in here. And then the kids are just looking through the window and going, the tit patrol, that's who, the tit patrol. And it's like, just reminded me of, uh, again, I can't think, like, again, I, I said it like last week too much, but reminds me of the in-betweeners of the Pussy Patrol. It's like these two little kids are like 10 years old, 10 or 11 years old, and they're just looking through the window and they're walking around the camp and they call themselves the tit patrol. And I just thought, that is fucking hilarious the whole thing's brilliant um another thing as we started off let's start off as we started off we started off this lovely episode with a lovely song and <laughs> it's just so funny he's like let's all start this lovely day with a lovely song from our very own angela bake or angela johnson she's called it's the happy camper song and that's so good the happy camper song in this movie is brilliant i'm a happy camper i love the summer sun um i can't remember the rest of it <laughs> uh, but it's like but the best thing about this one, the best thing that I thought about this song is that you would think that because they get Angela up, like Uncle John gets her on the stage and he's like, come on, let's get, let's all hear it for Angela Baker, or Angela Johnson, sorry. Uh, and you think, oh, everyone's going to laugh at her or throw something at her or, you know, just bully her for being like this goody two-shoes counsellor who loves to sing the Happy Camper song. But everybody's singing it with her. Like, nobody's singing it with her, like, against her. No one's laughing at her. Everyone's laughing with her. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And it kind of makes the song even better because everybody's singing along with it. So I was like, that's interesting. Um... Yeah, it's just I just thought, well, 
she obviously feels like she fits in here because everybody likes her. Like, it's weird. So, yeah, I thought it would have been interesting if they were all against her, but they were all with her, so fair enough. Uh, and TC, he's trying to, like, chat Angela up. I can't tell if he's being nice or whether, like, if he's just being a nice colleague because he's one of the counsellors for the boys or whether he's actually trying to chat her up. He chats her up very, very badly because he's like, you should come to the lake with me and you need to work on your time. <laughs> it's like, uh, you're not going to get anywhere with Angela with those kind of things. Um, oh, another great line. I keep saying it because there's so many tits in this movie. <laughs> but, um, oh, it's just hilarious because, again, it's the tit patrol and their line is they kind of are looking through. I think they're spying on the girls again. And then the kids, these two kids are like, oh, um, party hats at two o'clock. And I was like, oh, my God, that is fucking hilarious. Honestly, like the lines in this movie are so good. They crack me up. Hey, party hats at two o'clock. Like these kids are hilarious. Um, and uh, Angela, she finds the shit sisters, as they're called. And they're like the two uh stoners and they just like to go and get drunk i don't think they're counts uh, i don't think they're counselors i think they're actually campers but it's a strange one because everyone in this movie looks old and one of them in, in the end he's just, like getting with someone who looks really old he look, literally looks in his like 30s but so is he a counselor getting with one of the kids or is he a kid is he meant to be a kid i don't know and uh, they are singing a version of the Happy Camper song, which just literally signs their death warrant. I think they, they I've wrote it was, I'm a happy camper. I love to drink and fuck. Uh, if you would pay me money, my titties, you could suck. And I was like, oh, that's hilarious. And what a terrible time to say those things when Angela is looking at you. You've, you've ruined her song. Her wholesome camp and a uh, wholesome camp song. The happy camper song that has like, is just so clean and so wholesome and they go and absolutely take it and put it into the gutter and Angela is so disappointed. I was like, oh dear, you are in such still trouble. And they're still there the very next day. Like, they, because it's the next day, like, so they're out there drinking and smoking. And then the next morning, Angela goes and finds them and they're hungover and they're all over the place. And, um... It's like, Christ, what a session they've had. And as I say, one of them is sleep. So these are like twin sisters, and one of them is sleeping with one of the other kids or one of the counselors. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, one of them wakes up to find that the other has been burned alive, and it's just like a corpse. It's just like, how did they not smell this? I don't, how did she not smell like her sister burning? Uh, she must have been really, really hungover. Uh, and she wakes up and it's like a burnt corpse in front of her. And then the other one gets burned alive. And it's like, man, that's a horrible way to die. I always say, like, if there's a... Oh, there's no good way to die apart from maybe of old age in your bed. But, like, being burned alive, being covered in petrol and then set on fire and burned alive is probably the single worst death I can possibly imagine. Maybe drowning would be worse, but I feel like you would pass out at some point with the drowning before you would die, so it might not feel quite as bad. I mean, it would be bad, I'm sure, but being burned alive, ugh, that would be the worst thing possible. I would Just the thought of it makes me cringe. Uh, and she sent them home. She sent them home. And um, it's funny because I think some other girl got sent home through choice. So she basically was like with Uncle John... She made the decision to send this girl home. She didn't kill her. The parents came and then took her home. And that was her getting sent home. And Uncle John was like, oh, what happened to, what happened to her? And she was like, oh, she wanted to go home. So we called her parents and she picked them up. And it's the perfect cover for all of these crimes that she's doing. Because Uncle John's like, hey, you know, you shouldn't really... You know, you shouldn't be sending people home without my authority. Because she said, oh, yeah, I've sent the shit sisters home and all this. But he's like, she goes, oh, well, I, I sent her home and that was all right, wasn't it? And he goes, oh, well, yeah, I suppose. So he's actually in agreeance there that he she can send people home and has that authority. So I just thought that was a really, really good cover-up. And the uh, the boys, they go into the girls' room and Angela walks into them and she's such a bitch. Like, she's like, all they're doing is like having a laugh and having a bit of a party and Angela just comes in and uh, breaks that shit up. Um, 
Another thing, actually, the girls in this movie are actually pretty cool. Like, even though Ali is, yeah, she's a bit of a whore and a bit of a bitch at times, um, but, like, for the most part, pretty much all of the girls in this movie are cool, and that flips it on its head again from the original, because in the original one, you felt sorry for Angela, and you were like, oh, well, all these girls are just a bunch of bitches, and they're they're assholes to her, and all that kind of stuff, and like judy and meg they're such bitches whereas in this movie it's even though it's the same premise where it's angela killing these kids in this movie the like molly and ali and demi and all of these girls are super cool people super cool characters and angela is the one who's the stuck-up bitch who's killing them so although angela's still the killer it just flips that whole dynamic on its head which is really really cool uh and they so to go away they get like they they leave the room and they go to the boys room uh, and Angela sees them in there as well and TC's just like oh just wake me up wake me up when it's done like he is a cool counselor he's just like he sees the boys and he sees all the girls and like throwing underwear at each other and just having fun in the camp and uh, he's like oh, just call me just let me know when it's over I'm going to bed <laughs> like he couldn't give a shit um <clears throat> And Angela, she drives Mary home. So Mary's another one who um, was... Oh, yeah, so when they went into the boys' room that she basically... (laughs) Worst timing. She was, like, flashing her tits and then she she, uh, turned around and Angela was just right behind her. So the worst possible time to get your tits out. She did it. There's so much nudity in this movie. And... uh, She's like, drives her home. She's like, just say you're sorry. Just say you're sorry. And, you know, we can... You know, we can go back to camp and everything's fine. I'll give you another chance. And uh, she's just like... um, She's like... She she calls her Mary as well because she's like, oh, Mary. And she's like, it's Mare. I hate the word Mary. Again, maybe a bit of a play on the whole Mary, mother of Jesus. The fact that she's a bit of a a slut kind of character. Um, She doesn't like being called Mary because she likes the boys and she likes getting her boobs out and she likes to be a free spirit. So she goes by Mare. She's like, I would rather die. <laughs> it's like, she's like, I would rather die than apologize. And then Angela's like looking at the back, and Mary's like, What are you looking for? A gun? And she's like, No, a drill. And it just drill drills her through her. Although I don't know how it's plugged in. Could be battery powered, I suppose. Could be battery powered. Um, and this thing like Molly, who is Renee Estevez, her character actually really likes Angela. So surely she's safe. And maybe because of that, you would think Sean would be safe as well. Um, you would think so by the logic of Angela, because they actually don't really do anything wrong. Although Sean does kind of get up in Angela's grill about when the boys come into the girls' room. So, But for the most part, Molly and Angela get on really well. And she didn't want to kill molly or doesn't kill anyway but that's just kind of interesting one that um you know she she kind of has a friend in this one as well who is one of the girls so she ends up being like the final girl just because that she's not a total like she actually feels like she deserves to be at camp that's the only reason she's the final girl it's just kind of a cool spin on it and another great moment in this movie is where they are doing like the feeling game which is where they Like, the kids put the hand in, like, a box and they have to guess what it is. And they're blindfolded. Uh, and then they put the hand in Angela's box. L- not literally. And uh, they they say... Uh, she's like, oh, what is it? And it's like, uh, dead teenagers' brains. <laughs> it's like... Because that's what it is. It's dead teenagers' brains. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then one of the counsellors goes, oh, yeah, really? What What's in there? What's in there? And she goes, oh, yeah, dead teenagers' brains. And she's like, it looks like going, oh, okay, yeah. They just think it's probably meat or it could be animal brains or something. But like the truth is always the most, like the truth in that situation is so unbelievable that they were like, okay, whatever. Like that's, it's clearly not dead teenagers brains. So even though that's what's in the box, if they'd actually probably looked in the box, they would have seen brains and be like, oh shit, she's like, she's crazy. And uh, Angela, she catches the kids looking at pictures of the girls naked like the two kids the tip patrol she sees them looking at the photos of all the girls nude and then i don't think she was too bothered actually because it was just the girls who always get the tits out but then there's a picture of angela in there putting a top on and they're like oh dear 
That's the that's a bad bad thing. And uh, TC, like she's like, you will, you've got to handle this, you know, you've got to get those kids under control. And she's like, oh, TC's like, yeah, I'll handle it. And just TC's face, he's like, oh yeah, she's like, I bet you will handle it. And he goes, ooh. Like, like TC's facial expressions when she's walking away is absolutely hilarious. So again, like another thing that's so great about this movie, and it's part about it's as I touched on at the very start, is the whole reference to other horror movies that came before it and are bigger franchises than this one. So you got like the kid that dresses up like Freddy Krueger and he's got like the burn makeup. You got the kid who dresses up like dresses up like Jason. And the thing is that he's actually created like real Freddy Krueger knives. Like he's full on gone for this. Um, and it's just like really, even though the Jason mask is awful, it just is really cool. That it's like so meta and so referential to the real world that it was doing it before that kind of thing was cool. Um, I don't think there's, I can't think of another movie from the eighties that actually does that. Uh, not to this extent where they've actually got people dressing up as the characters from these other franchises. It's just really, really good stuff. And uh, they go out there and they try, they're going to try and like scare Angela. And the kid ends up, the kid, the Freddy kid ends up getting his th- own throat slashed with his own glove that he made because Angela's stolen the glove and she just goes, uh, nice uh, throat slit gag. Uh, really over the top acting as well. When he gets his throat slit, he's like, it's like, you know, if you're in like a year seven drama class and they're like, right. You have to act that you've been killed. And you get like some little shithead kid that goes, Ugh! you know, and he goes down. It's like over the top and he just does never stop dying. He doesn't, it's like constantly going on and on. That's what happens here. It's like the director was like, give me the most over the top death you could possibly do. And he's like, I got you. And he just comes up with this. Um <clears throat> And Angela, another one, so Angela dresses up as Leatherface. So we have all of the killers of the three big franchises up to this point uh, in this movie. You know, Freddy, Jason, Leatherface. Uh, and uh, we get like a, a Leatherface versus Jason showdown between Angela and the kid dressed as Jason. It's really, really good stuff. And Angela's there with the uh, with the chainsaw and she's chainsawing them and stuff like that. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And Angela's Leatherface mask is actually pretty damn good. Like, it's not like replica, but it's pretty good. Um, especially for 1988 and you just make it in a low-budget horror movie. It's really, really good stuff. Really fun, really, really fun scene. And uh, Ali, so she actually goes to the... Uh, she actually goes to the camp where the girls are and they're all like oh Angela I didn't know you had that in you so they're all like having a laugh with Angela in this in this scene and I go where's Ali she's like oh she's gone to the toilet she's like I wonder what for and Angela like the sex scene in this toilet is just so over the top she's like I think the guy's going down on her but like they can't get the clothes off and they are just falling all over the place and it's like the most over the top scene again another scene that Ali has her boobs out um it's just such a weird 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 scene when you watch it you're like is this comfortable for both of you to be filming this scene like this it's like just ridiculously over the top um and she doesn't kill any of them, actually. She doesn't actually kill any of them. Uh, she lets them live. So, yeah, bit of an interesting one. And Ali... But Ali is such a bitch, man. She, like... It's a poor Molly, who is Renee Estevez. Molly, obviously, is playing, like, the likeable virgin-style character. Um, and Ali... This is the first time in the movie where we see Ali as a bit of a bitch character. Like, the rest of the movie, you're kind of just like, oh, well, you know, she, she's a little bit of a bitch, but they all get on. Definitely not on the levels of Judy and Meg style bitching. But yeah, this is the first time where you're like, oh man, why did you say that to poor Molly? Uh, and she's like, um, you know, you two will be great for each other, you know. I can't remember how she... Oh, you're like, what did she say? You're like, you're both, you'll both be a lousy lay. Or you're both a lousy lay or something like that. So you'll be a perfect match. Like, come on, man. Such a bitch thing to say. Um, and Ali... Uh, what? So yeah, Ali's gone to have sex with this kid. 
And again, just she's got her boobs out, obviously, like she has in every scene in this movie. Uh, and she's like having sex with this with this guy, and she they finish, and they look like they've had a fantastic time together in the woods. And she's like, as she's walking away, she's like, "You don't have AIDS or anything, do you?" It's like, well. It, what if he says yes? Like it's a bit late now. He's like finished up in you, and he's put his pants back on, and you're walking away. So even if he does have the most violent cases of a case of AIDS you could possibly imagine, what are you gonna do? You've already had sex with the guy, probably unprotected, when you're asking that bloody question. And I was like, Jesus Christ! Maybe in future you should ask that question before he sticks it in you. That would be a better thing. And uh, Ali lures. Sorry, Angela lures Ali to her cabin, her cabin in the woods, with a fake note from Sean. It's very clever how she gets her there. And Ali, though, just a separate note to that, just a separate thing. She's just had sex with this guy in the woods. She's just literally five minutes ago, you know, pulled out and got her pants on and off she goes. And then she sees this note from Sean saying, meet me in this cabin. And she's like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going right there now. It's like, what? Like, so you'd be sleeping with like two guys in like the space of an hour? It's like, come on. Like, you've no wonder you're asking questions like, do you have AIDS? Because like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll just go and do it again. It's like, poor Sean. He's getting like the, I mean, it's not Sean, it's Angela. But if it was Sean, he'd just be getting like the sloppiest of seconds in this scene. Um, and this death, oh, Ali's death. So she sees Angela, she's like, hey, I lured you here. And she's like, oh, well, whatever, you know, I don't care. And she stabs her in the back, stabs her a couple of times in the back, looks really good. And then probably one of the most, probably one of the most disgusting kills in any horror movie. And it's not even like that a lot of it's on screen, but it's just what's implied. And she <laughs> puts her head into this abandoned toilet. She's like, what's in there? It's like, oh, it's shit, it's shit. And what else is in there? Why don't you take a closer look? And it's like leeches everywhere. Oh, it's disgusting. And basically she gets drowned in a toilet. So covered in shit and covered in leeches. It's like, what an awful way to go. Like I say, drowning is a pretty bad way to go anyway. But then getting drowned in shit and leeches it's like oh my god man that's just awful um and demi oh demi you couldn't help yourself so demi says she's in the she's in the cabin and by this point in time i think there's only like two or three of the girls left everybody else has been sent home and demi says to angela she's called she's called all the campers who have been sent home to check that they're okay but all the parents have said no no they're not here they're, they're still still at camp and at this point in time demi demi should have been thinking hang on a minute maybe i shouldn't go and tell angela about this the person who you know has sent them home Maybe I should go and tell Uncle John. Maybe I should go and tell the owner of the camp this information. But no, she goes and tells Angela, the person who bloody has killed them all. It's like, Jesus, what a terrible thing. But this is a great scene because Angela, whilst Demi is like telling the story of like, oh yeah, I found out this, I found out this information. What should we do, Angela? Angela is calmly walking around the the bedroom picking things up like thinking how am i gonna kill this bitch how am i gonna kill her she's like picking radios up she's like picking um like knives and hammers and stuff and in the end she just goes with a good old guitar string and she just like strangles her with it. it's like oh where, where have you been where you know what are you gonna do with that she just like strangles her Puts her through the window. Just a really good kill. And then some random girl that we've never seen before in the whole movie. Or at least not that I could remember. Uh, at least I haven't seen her before in there. She's like, oh, it's you. You're the killer. Like Kind of like the whole um, owner of the camp Mel scene in the last one. Like, oh my god, it's you. She's like, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. And I was like, you, you would tell. You've got to tell on me. So she's like, stabs her to death. And we, it's off screen, but... I think by this point we've seen so many kills and we didn't really need that, so it's all good. Uh, and yeah, there's only Angela and Molly. Sorry, dear me. Um, only Angela and Molly left in the whole camp. <laughs> like every other girl has been sent home. So and even Molly at this point in time is like something's not right here. Everybody's gone home. So interesting. Um, 
Another thing, God, I totally didn't mention it actually when we were talking about the Ali kill, but she says when she's finished with Ali, she's another self-referential line about horror movies because she's like, oh, I should have killed you first. I should have... She's like, you should have been the first to die or something like that. And that's like a nod to the camera because she's like, yeah, in a horror movie the slutty character would be one of the first to die. So the fact that she's like outlived probably five or six people in this movie is pretty damn good going. So yeah, um, I just thought that was a really cool little line actually. Uh, And Angela gets the sack. This was a really, really sad... (laughs) It wasn't sad, but it's like Angela gets the sack for sending people home. And then I can't remember what Angela says. She says something like, oh, would it would it help if I, you know, apologised and said I, I won't do it again? And, you know, I really will. I, I just want to be a case. I was camper of the week this week and now you're firing me. And he's like, I want you out of my side. I want you out of here before lunch. And it's like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, Angela. The fact that she gets sacked... Oh, uh, we'll get to it when we get to the cabin scene, actually. But the fact that she got a job there is, you know, pretty remarkable, especially with what she tells us in the cabin and how she got the job. So let's see, because we'll we'll talk about that when we get to that scene, because it's just absolutely crazy. In fact, I think, uh, are we pretty much at that scene now? I'm just looking at my notes, and I think we actually are. Um... Yeah, I think we... Well, we'll talk about it now. I was kind of looking at there. So, um, so basically, we get this scene where um, Sean and, and uh, Molly and everyone, they get to the cabin and they see Angela and it's all, like, it's all worked out that she's, like, the killer and all that kind of stuff, which we're, we're going to backtrack. We're going to backtrack. But, uh, but the whole scene is that she's like, he's like, you're Angela Baker. The, you know, you're the guy who... You're the, the guy who killed all those people at Camp Arawak, and she's like, oh, well, you know, it's like, how did you get a job? And she basically says, oh, well, I had references from doctors and psychiatrists to say I'm fully cured. It's like, you had references, so you're telling me that a psychiatrist who has been treating you for five years and given you a sex change wrote a reference to a summer camp recommending you for a job only an hour away from the place where you killed 13 people only five years previous it's like who the fuck is writing these fucking references like oh yeah she's five years ago this person killed all these but they're kind of putting her under a different name oh yeah it's angela johnson now but it's like well what does the references from the doctors and psychiatrists say? She's fine? It's like, surely they would have some sort of reference or the, the psychiatrist would go, Uncle John, look, I don't think you should give Angela a job in this summer camp. Maybe she should get a job in a in a supermarket or um, as a cleaner maybe somewhere or, you know, in a, in a store, whatever kind of thing. Maybe even in a, maybe not in a bar because it's not really for her morals, but it's like a normal job recommended that maybe she should bag groceries or something like that as prisoners do you know like Shawshank Redemption style um but giving her a job in a summer camp as a camp counselor like who's writing these references and saying oh yeah this girl's perfectly fine for this role it's like she only killed 13 people five years ago it's like Jesus Christ anyway so Molly and Sean they go to see Angela at the cabin because they you know they see that she's uh uh, she that she's been fired and Angela point blank admits to Molly that she drowned someone five years ago which is the kid that we see in the lake and Sean goes into the cabin and he finds all of the bodies and basically they get ambushed and tied up and and all that so it's like but this reveal of all of the bodies that she's killed in this movie is absolutely awesome like we've got every single person there that she's killed in this cabin just looks so damn good and uh tc goes out looking for them as well uh, and he's like oh i'm gonna kill angela and he gets to the cabin and she burns his face with his own battery battery acid from his own car and a great kill poor sean and i actually feel sorry for molly as well actually the worst is molly watching at this point i think she might be i think she i don't think she's unconscious but yeah sean's like just leaning over 
and uh, it's a great kill uh, where Angela just comes and just chops his head off with a machete and it just goes flying right in front of Molly. And you think, considering Molly was her friend, that's a pretty shitty thing to do. It looked a really shitty thing to do, but it looked a great, great on-screen kill. Looks absolutely brilliant. And poor Molly as well. Like she's like she's trying to like Angela is Molly's friend, and she's trying to even though all of this is happening, even though all of this is happening, Angela still really likes Molly because she's like, oh, Sean was never good enough for you and all that. So very strange how she acts towards that. But then Angela's like, hey, look who's on TV, and it's Sean's head, Sean's severed head in the TV. Like Jesus Christ, poor Molly. Oh, another uh, one of my pet hates. One of my only pet hates in this movie. One of the only things I think is maybe not quite right with this movie is Molly manages to escape. She knocks Angela down. She hits her like once on the back, really light. Wouldn't even knock anybody out. It would like with the force that she hits Angela with. But she's got her on the ground, and then she doesn't finish her off. She just runs away. And it's not just this movie. It happens in so many slasher movies, so many horror movies where they get the killer on the ground. And then they just don't finish the job. So it's a real pet hate to mine. I'd rather they didn't do that. I'd rather in horror movies they just kind of cut that kind of shit out altogether. Um, and even if they just hit her on the head or, I don't know, just ran through them. Just something. Because if you have the killer on the ground knowing how dangerous they are, obviously you're going to try and finish the job. But maybe not in this case. Uh, Angela and Angela and Molly kind of do this chase for quite a good while. It's a good five-minute chase where nothing really happens. Uh, but then Molly falls off a rock, hits her head, and Angela thinks that she's killed her. Um, and Angela's like, oh, if, there's any, if it's any consolation, you almost made it. And that was a really good... Also a nod to other slasher movies whereby the virgin slash the goody nice girl character would survive in this situation uh, in most and she does i suppose in the end because she's not dead but angela thinks she's dead so she throws that line out to the camera it's like oh you almost survived never mind you almost made it um oh and the tip patrol man these two kids the tip patrol this franchise love killing off kids because the tip patrol didn't even make it they got their throats slashed and then tied up to the wall Poor kids. Um, and we also have the reveal of Uncle John in the cabin as well. He's had his throat slit and his hand cut off. And I think the kid who was having sex with Ali earlier that day or, you know, the day before, um, <clears throat> he's like hung in the... He looks really fucked up, this kid. He's like hung in the office. He's got like... I don't know if it's a condom or a sock in his mouth. It's really, really fucked up. Um, and then the other girl, like the only surviving, what felt like the only surviving girl in the camp trying to escape and she just gets stabbed, stabbed to death by um, by Angela. And I think that's pretty much at this point in time, the whole camp has been killed. Like the only people who are surviving right now is Angela and Molly. And Angela thinks she's killed Molly. So really in Angela's head, she's killed everybody in this whole camp. Every single person has died. And then she kind of walks out the door. And she's like, good night. And she looks at the camera. And she's like, good night campers. It's just fucking great stuff. Absolutely brilliant stuff. And, um... <clears throat> Angela gets picked up by this random old woman um, who she kills as well because I think Angela is... Uh, she she asks her to like, lower a window while she's having a cigarette and she doesn't. So then literally takes no... There's nothing there that makes... Like, there's, no, like, uh, there's no trigger or anything. It's just like, oh. She's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. And then she just starts stabbing her and kills her. So Molly survives... It's kind of left open-ended because Molly survives. She gets to the road and she thinks she's been saved because the car comes over and it's just Angela with a cowboy hat. Cowboy hat. So it's like, howdy, partner. And then the, the camera just goes, douche, 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 douche to Molly. Now, does Molly survive? I think... Oh, I, I, you've got to... I, again, I can't remember what happens in part three that much. I remember there's a lot of good kills, but I can't remember if it's addressed... What happens to Molly? 
So if it's left open-ended, I'm going to kind of feel like she didn't survive because Angela could easily just kill her there and then. Um, but maybe Angela took pity on her and like got her in the car and, you know, saved her and then... <laughs> Probably that's not how she probably did die. I'll have to watch Sleepaway Camp 3 again soon to kind of pick up what happened there. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. It's left open-ended for Molly, bless her. But yeah, overall, such, such an awesome fun movie. Like, I honestly have nothing really bad to say about this movie. I absolutely adore this movie. It's such a fun movie. Such good kills. Great characters, great cast, everything about it. I just absolutely love it. It's not perfect, because some of the kills could be better, let's be honest. Some of them are a bit weak, but a lot of them are pretty good. So overall, I would give this movie a 8 out of 10, because the only reason it's not a 10 is because some of the kills are a little bit weak. But overall, this is a fucking brilliant movie. I would recommend it to everyone. I would recommend this movie over the original Sleepaway Camp 100% because I feel like the original one it it could be a bit of a struggle to watch again because of what we said last week because of the acting Um, but this one is just so fun like the the acting the 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 um the script the the kills everything about it is just so so good the dialogue i was trying to say there um yeah so 100 would recommend it eight out of ten for sleepaway camp two so without any further ado let's just get straight into the trivia of the movie because we've actually got a little bit about it this week so let's just do it uh so the trivia on the movie Sleep Away Camp 2, Happy Campers. Uh, so Felicia Rose was asked to return as Angela Baker. Uh, she did a reading, but didn't quite click with the comedic one-liners that Angela delivered in the sequels. She was also preparing to attend college at the time, so I kind of touched on that earlier. Uh, the characters Charlie and Emilio, played by Jason Ehrlich and Justin Nowell, I'm going to have to look those two actors up again because I could have sworn they are in some really big movies in the 90s, but I could be wrong. They are the real-life names of Molly Nagels, Rene Estevez's brothers, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. So I hope that makes sense. So they were named after Rene Estevez's brothers. Yeah, that's that's what we'll go with. Uh, according to some cast and crew members, during production and filming, Pamela Springsteen did not tell anyone that she was actually Bruce Springsteen's sister. Several found out about it years later. Uh, this movie was shot back-to-back at the very same location as its sequel, Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland, uh, both finished within six weeks. Uh, screenwriting credit is given to Fritz Gordon, which is actually a... I can't even pronounce this word. <laughs> I'm going to say it's an acronym because uh, I think that's the same thing, but I don't know what that word is, Jesus Christ. For producer Michael Hitchcock, who later went to on, went on to star in several films by Christopher Guest. I don't know what that had anything to do with anything. The model used to portray Angela for the original VHS art box is Connie Craig. Pamela was unavailable for the shoot that day. As I said earlier, this is Y2J, Chris Jericho's favourite slasher movie. Uh, One of the campers mentions TV Facts of Life, uh, a 1979 TV show. Pamela Springsteen made a guest appearance on the show several years later. Or several years earlier, rather. Sorry. Um... Oh, that's interesting. So I thought it was afterwards, but it must have been earlier. So eh, fair enough. So yeah, that's actually another self-referential pun. Uh, the fact that she'd already been on the show and they said that. So it's that's pretty funny. Uh, and the body count in this movie is 18. However, whether or not Molly survived is unknown, but I'm going to say she isn't. But if Molly doesn't survive, it's 19, but 18 on-screen kills. So not too bad at all. So that wraps up this week's show, everyone. So thank you so much for joining me. Not quite as long as last week's show. There was a lot to talk about last week. There was a lot to talk about with this one, but I feel like in terms of the... uh, A lot of the uh, backstory about Angela and a lot of the uh, theories that I have around that I spoke about last week on the show, so that's why last week's is longer. So if if you want to hear my thoughts on actually Angela, the character, and her backstory and how fucked up it is in the original film, go and check out last week's episode, Sleepaway Camp. 
and we go right into that. We delve so deep into it. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome, awesome fun. I absolutely love Sleepaway Camp 2, if you couldn't already tell. Uh, and it's been such a good movie to watch this week and to uh, review. Uh, so in terms of what's coming up next week, I actually have no idea. I think I'm going to just leave it completely open. And if there's a movie that I see that I fancy watching, then we'll do that. So next week is going to be a complete surprise. So we'll see. It's definitely going to be a movie. It's not going to be a ranking series. Um, but... We're going to do another ranking series probably in three or four weeks' time. Again, not too sure which franchise to do yet, uh, but we will be doing one. I'm kind of thinking maybe Child's Play or Hellraiser for the next one because I really want to save the Friday the 13th one for another Friday the 13th when that comes up, which I think isn't until like July. So, well, we'll see. We'll see how we get on. But yeah, so... If you haven't done so already, uh, make sure to give our Facebook page a like, uh, Slasher Street Podcast on Facebook. Just search that, will be the first thing that comes up. Uh, <clears throat> if you have any movies that you want me to review, please do drop us an email at that uh, Facebook page, or drop us a message rather at that Facebook page with a list of movies that you want me to do. I'll pick a few out and we'll try and get them done over the next few weeks because uh, I think I've pretty much done all of the ones now that people have requested uh, so or maybe about one or two which we will get to if I haven't done so yet so yeah please do drop us a message and um, I would like to hear from you guys as well so also if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts make sure to leave us a review um, give us a five star rating would be awesome and then if you have time please do read us, uh, leave us a review because I'd really love to read you guys' uh, feedback out there uh, and yeah, that's pretty much everything really. So have a very awesome week, everyone. Stay safe out there. I keep, I've been saying it for months, but we kind of feel like we're coming to the end of this shit show. <laughs> um, but maybe not. Maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows, everyone? But stay safe out there. Look after each other. Uh, and I will see you all next week for another episode of Slasher Street Podcast. Who knows what the movie's going to be? It's going to be a complete surprise. But I will see you all there, no matter what it is, I'm sure. Uh, and in the meantime, everyone, have a great week. And there's only one thing left to do, and that is to stay scared. Can't be. My eyes are deceiving me. What you see is real. What's done is done, and what I've done is right. It's the work of science. Yeah.